This this book, what if it did work, was was written in someone's place that said they were my biggest fan and they became my biggest naysayer and said, who am I to write a book? Who am I to be on stages? Who am I to speak to people? And I use her as my motivation. So to me, the doubt, the doubters, the naysayers get on the back of the bus, man, because you're, you're, you're providing fuel for this journey. What's interesting about your story, man, is that, and I, I don't get too often times when I interview somebody on the show, where, I, where the person was a negative influence. A lot of times we talk about who was the right person to help you become successful. And they'll talk about, well, my, my business partner helped me do this or my wife or my husband or my, my friend or my mom or my dad. And those are all positive, positive people that push you in a positive direction. But, but I've, you know, I, I really admire the honesty and transparency of you saying, hey, I'll take the negative people all day long. They're the right people for me because they help me get where I want to go. In today's ultra-competitive business world, being a successful entrepreneur or business owner can be very challenging. Fortunately, contemporary times have blessed us with resources for tackling those challenges and getting us to success more quickly than we could have imagined. Welcome to The Root of All Success with The Real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs grow incredible companies. This podcast looks at the five keys to unlocking success as an entrepreneur. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason's mission is to use his gifts of teaching and leadership to help others get the results they want out of life. Join Jason every week and learn the keys to grow a truly successful business. Welcome back to another episode of The Root of All Success. I'm the real Jason Duncan, and I'm excited that you're here today. I've got a really pumped up, fired up guest going to be on the show today, Omar Madrano. I'll introduce him in a minute, but uh, a lot of passion in his voice. You're going to hear a lot of cool stories. And uh, what's funny is that he's going to end up telling stories here on this show today that he says he's never told anybody before. So you're going to, you got to tune in and listen to this. We're going to talk about his journey to success. Uh, wherever you're listening to this show, whether it's on a podcast player or you're watching on YouTube or you're watching on C-Suite TV, wherever you're watching or listening, I want to say a big heartfelt thank you. Thank you for letting me be a part of your life to help coach you, give you some information, indirect coaching uh, through these guests that I interview on the show. It's always a lot of fun to do this, and I do this to provide you a lot of value to give you value as an entrepreneur to get to that place of success. That's why this show exists is to show you how to unlock success for yourself. If you haven't subscribed, if you haven't given us a five-star review, uh, that would be a really good thing for you to do for me. If you could hit the pause button, go do that right now and then come back and listen to the show. It would mean a lot. And for some of my really good friends who listen to the show on a regular basis, uh, you know who you are. Thank you again for your support. Uh, as I get this podcast continuing to grow uh, as I got it off the ground uh, and back in 2020. So thank you for being a part of this. I appreciate you very, very much. So let me introduce our guest for today, Omar Madrano, out of hailing out of Miami, Florida, from South Florida. He's going to be with us today. And you can see the difference. You know, I'm here in the Nashville area. I'm actually recording this from my home studio in Gallatin, Tennessee. And it's 70 degrees in February. That's not normal. It's very windy because the, the weather change. But I'm wearing short sleeve shirt, and Omar is in uh, South Florida, Miami, and you're going to see him. He's wearing a hoodie. 
<laughs> it just tells you the difference in how our bodies are used to warm weather versus cold weather. But uh, Omar is a, an entrepreneur who's had tremendous success as a serial franchise owner. And uh, he's also the author of a book called What If It Did Work, which was named by Entrepreneur Magazine as one of the top 25 business books in 2021. And it's only 100 pages. He's not, as he says on the show today, he's not about the fluff. He wants to get right to the point. His passion is helping his audience crush the fear that's holding them back from their potential. And we're going to actually talk about what fear is today and where fear comes from. So pay attention to that when we get into that today. And he loves to inspire people to start the businesses that they've always dreamed of. So please join me in welcoming Omar Madrano to the show. Omar, welcome to the show, man. I'm so glad that we finally get to do this. We've been trying to do this for a while. We finally made it happen. So welcome to the show. Hey, you know what? Things happen for a reason. Back then, hey, we went through all that so we can have this moment right now so you and I can make an outstanding episode. I'm here for you 100%. We're, we're going to bring it. That's right, man. Well, I, I, I said to you when we were talking pre-show, I've worn my purple shirt and I've got the purple backlight behind me in honor of the purple hat you have on your head for LSU. So if you're not watching this on YouTube, you're missing out. <laughs> go, go Tigers. So when I first met you, when I first met you, you, I don't know if it was the first time I met you, but around that time, you know, that first summer, we were kind of involved in the same coaching program together. You told the story about you being at LSU as a, as a student. And one of your professors was saying something to the effect of it'll be a cold, cold day in hell when you, when you graduate, would you please tell that story for me again and everybody listening? That's a great Definitely. story. That, that sounds horrible because LSU never gave me such a, a bad experience like that. The one thing though, that LSU did teach me though, was mom paid out-of-state tuition she had to work a full-time job two full she I, I rarely saw her in high school because she was busting busting her her chops or doing whatever to make ends meet so thank you mom no that the, the one thing LSU did I was 30 seconds late to a midterm media law and I apologize I'm like hey doc he's dead so I can Dr. Day look I'm I'm sorry uh and he's like it's not my problem. It's your problem. You have to take this course next semester. So that's the only thing negative I have to say. No, um, that was junior high. Uh, Glades Junior High, my assistant principal, just flat out told me it'd be a cold day in hell the day I graduated college. But the good news was he was right. It actually snowed in December, December 22nd, 1995 in Baton Rouge. First time in a million years. So... Okay, I have I have the details wrong, but the, kind of kind of the right thing. So you're uh, you're high, junior high assistant junior principal. High. Yeah, there was no middle school. I'm so old. They called it a junior high. So junior high middle school or middle school principal assistant principal says it'll be a cold cold day in hell when you if you graduate and then you graduate LSU December 1995 and it snowed in Baton it Rouge. Snowed. Yes, it snowed. It, it was such a shocker. I, I knew it. It was a cold day in hell because the whole country had a, a blizzard. Now, now that man, Mr. Morris, I don't know whether he's alive or dead, but thank you. He gave me the rocket fuel to push me towards always being an overachiever. And if you ever watched that movie, The Breakfast Club, he was like, his personality was a to a T like that guy. Listen, punk, I make $30,000 a year. The guy, uh, the guidance counselor, whatever his job was, the guy that um, held the Saturday detention. 
So what was his name? The, the middle school Mr. guy, Morris, Mr. Morris wore 100% polyester suits, but yet the man was walking around like he was John Travolta in Saturday night fever. <laughs> oh, let me ask you. So when you got, when you were standing there in the, in the line to graduate, to get your diploma or you get your degree rather at LSU, did, did that memory was that with you the whole time? Like, did you think about it's snowing right now? This is crazy. Or did it take time later for you to think back and go, well, holy crap, look what happened. Two things, two things. I, I, we're in the PMAC, the Pete Maravich Assembly Center, where Shaquille O'Neal once played and all the other LSU greats. And I saw out there and my family, my mom, who when it came to affirmations and giving me the kudos, never, she didn't give it to me that day, didn't give it to me the day I graduated with my master's degree. My family, my grandparents who are still alive, they're there. They looked like they're in shock themselves. But, and, and, you know, I, I want to tell you, it's, it's a state school, poor state. So, you know, everybody's crying because first generation and I'm in shock. And then I didn't cry because yes, that, that moment, I, I completely forgot about it for a little while, but it was so cold and it was snowing and I, I had a smirk on my, uh, on my <laughs> face. And, and, and that's why I'm like, you're right, Mr. Morris, it did snow. Uh, so you you said something there that you you were you the first generation college graduate for your family? No, my uh, my aunts, my uncles, my mom uh, graduated from FIU, Florida International University. It's a school for those that that can't go to the University of Miami because University of Miami is a, a private school. No, my mom wanted me to continue in her footsteps to go to FIU. She never even she's never to this day even worn an LSU. Like I, I bought her, you know, like the LSU mom stuff and all that. Yeah. She's never, they've never supported the Tigers besides <laughs> pain. So you went to, what was your degree in when you graduated LSU? Mass communications to uh, journalism and a degree in history. Now the degree in history that, well, and the degree in communications that in 250 will get you a copy of the USA Today. So what, what, what were you planning to do with that type of degree? I wanted to be the next Bob Costas. I wanted to be the next Frank Gifford. I wanted to be, I wanted to be a sports reporter. That was my dream. I, I'm 5'8". I'm slow. Zero <laughs> athletic talent. I, they, they called me Slowmar, my, my fraternity brothers, because I tied the slowest guy who was like 300 pounds in the 40-yard dash. So, you know, I, I went to a high school, Southwest in Miami. We don't bus. Very segregated. It was all Latinos and all white, but short and zero athletic ability. And I still couldn't even make those high school teams. <laughs> so you thought, well, if I can't make the team, I'm going to be the guy behind the microphone talking about what's oh, happening. Yes. I, I, I was obsessed over sports completely. My, okay. I dated in high school. She was a uh, athlete of the year, Miss athlete of the year for Southwest high played three sports. And I would always go there and, and whoever, if, if the coach wanted something taped, I would tape it or I would be with whomever was taping it. And I would just like call the game. <laughs> now, did you end up doing any of that? Did you go into that at all coming out of college? Uh, yes, I did. But not the journalism aspect, but nothing to do with sports. My last job in communications, I was the producer of the Jimmy Swaggart show. And I was Jimmy, like, are you kidding me? <laughs> no, I'm not. That's well, calling a whole nother game, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it, it was. It, it was. I, I could only stay there six months. And then uh, 
I, I was miserable and my, my family asked, my, my mom told me, even though she doesn't have a master's degree, that if I want to have some, even more fun to come back home and, and get my master's degree and the same thing. Wow. So you, so you obviously didn't, you, you didn't follow the dream. The dream didn't end up materializing the way that you wanted to, but, uh, but you turned out all right. I mean, we're on the show called the root of all success because you're a successful dude. And we're going to talk about that. Right. Yeah. But the, the, the dream, I, I remember telling my, and this is a wild story at my junior high completely, besides the fact that it was asbestos, uh, the, the two guidance counselors were, were a little frisky with, with the boys. And then they would always like massage this. This was before me too. And all that. And they would always have like the guys sit on their lap, weird stuff. I know, trust me. I, I, I didn't because I've, I've always been standoffish, but he asked me one day, one of them, I think his name was Mr. Hourhand. What, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? Now this is adjusted for inflation. So don't, don't think I would do this now for this amount of money. I, I said, Mr. Arhan, for $75,000, I would make pizza. <laughs> so it was the love of money. Now, when, when you, journalism, no matter what, unless you're a Howard Stern, you're top of the game, you're, you're the anchor at these top networks or top markets, you're, you're not making anything. If I knew I, want, I was going to go study and live a life of poverty, I would have just gone to the seminary. Hmm. Interesting. So how did you get your start in the entrepreneurial world? I mean, if you wanted to be in mass media, sports media, but you, you obviously made a career out of being an entrepreneur, starting several franchises, been very successful, wrote a book, which I talked about in the introduction. So when did you get started? When, when did entrepreneurship enter Omar Madrano's life? For, for being a, a guy that was a severe <laughs> introvert that couldn't even ask out a girl in high school or junior high, fear of rejection, and I couldn't even talk growing up, I barely spoke. I, I found out, well, I, I became a great salesman. I learned how to connect. I learned how to speak. I, I learned how what knows just know. And it's in my book, and this, this was because of LSU. Uh, my fraternity brothers, when I was a pledge at Sigma Pi, Alpha Kappa chapter at LSU, they would they saw, I, I left Miami because I needed a fresh start. I ran away from being an introvert. I didn't realize that it was going to follow me because I thought clearly it was Miami. So I wouldn't talk as a pledge. And I was even pledge class president and I still wouldn't talk. So what they would do is they would go, they would for Baton Rouge is a drinking town. We don't need fake holidays. We don't need margarita day. We drink Monday through Sunday. <laughs> so it's it's a drinking town and every day we would go out and they would force me to ask out women ask them out to dance buy them a drink now most of these women were trained to say no because they were friends of the fraternity or just it, it was a it was a gag or uh fraternities are like glorified gangs that they wanted to you know, bored, wanted to start a fight with, with someone else. So I would have to ask out a girl or ask her for, or would, would you like me to buy you a drink when she's clearly with somebody? Because, you know, I was a pledge hazing. And 
what, what happened was from a guy that, oh my gosh, I felt before if someone said no, the Miami Herald would find out because, you know, I'm such a loser. I, I heard no so much. It, it just became, then after a while, like I just became a better speaker. And uh, I was the social director. I was the person that they used to raise funds because my, my success rate. And then I, I decided to go into sales. I became a financial advisor. So the guy that the, uh, I, I can't ask you out because you might say no, became a guy that could cold call, go door knock. It, it's just a no. And I, I got the nickname as a pledge, Goose, because I can top gun. All I would do is crash and burn. <laughs> so so you went in, so your first venture into entrepreneurship, was that when you became a financial advisor or was it, was that, is that right? Uh, no, because it's a sales job, man. I'm, I, I'm busting my ass for Edward Jones. I did that oh, really? for five years. Yeah. That's why I said I had to go door knocking. Not only did I have to cold call, but you see Edward Jones is based out of like Missouri where the show me state where you can go door knocking. It doesn't really work well in, in the big cities, but they won't tell you that, but I still had to go door knocking. Like if I was selling encyclopedias, like I was selling knives, like I was selling vacuum cleaners in 1980. Or I was selling religion. I was a Jehovah Witness or LDS, and you know it, it it became that. And I was I was very successful as a financial advisor, but it was always like maybe one day, maybe one day. And then I I attribute I, I went to an Anthony Robbins coach said, hey, uh, we had a sales meeting. If you want to really sell and be on top of your game, we have a special buy one get one free. Well, I, zero personal development, zero business development. But I knew Anthony Robbins because my wife, my ex-wife, my ex-business partner at the time was a big Anthony Robbins. So I bought a ticket for her. And then three days after walking on fire, she was a pharmaceutical sales rep. I was a financial advisor. We're like, let's work for ourselves. Let's do, let's do this for ourselves. So what did you go and do together after that? Smoothie King. Smoothie uh, King. Almost 20 years. Wow. So that, okay. So Smoothie King, so you bought, so you bought a franchise and you owned multiple, of course, right? But you bought a franchise. That was your first kind of business we, we ownership. Yes. And, and you know, it wasn't like what it is now where, where they had the Smoothie King Center and there was one on every corner. We were pioneers, especially here in South Florida. This is a Jamba Juice town. And we literally had uh the SBA wouldn't even give us a loan because smoothies, what's that? That's a fad. So yeah, it, it, it was, it was a hustle. It was a grind. And the only reason why we quit growing besides getting divorced was uh, we weren't aligned with the franchise. Uh, the founder sold to the undercover CEO, just some guy that wasn't aligned with growing the bit, well, growing his, his pocketbook, but not anybody else's. So how many, how many Smoothie Kings did you have? You said you did it for 20 years. So how many Smoothie Kings did you Five. have? Five, Five of them. But, but we, we stopped expanding uh, into the 15th year or, or pretty much when the new guy bought the franchise from the founder. Okay. So Smoothie King, was that, I mean, I know you have your feelings now that you're not in it and it didn't end. It sounds like it didn't end exactly the way you would want it to have end because of all the different reasons of divorce and all that kind of stuff. But was Smoothie King a pretty good, uh, pretty good deal as a franchise and an owner? Uh, yeah, completely back, back then. Yeah. It, the reason why we didn't have 20, 30, 40 was because 
we didn't get any loans. It was all since we couldn't we 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 burned the bridges per se. We charged up the credit cards, uh, liquidated the account, sold the house, moved it into an apartment. You see, everybody sees the social media the last few years and saw us, you know, traveling all over the world with my kids, but they didn't see that. They didn't see, you know, they I, I that the the luck, the overnight success was was that. And yeah, no, no, with Smoothie King, the problem was whenever you own a business, you should always have an exit strategy. Most entrepreneurs don't think about that, but that's that's one of your first strategies you should have is how long do I want to be? What, how, you know, what do I want to grow? What do I want to do with this? And have it on paper, that, that's pretty important. But there, there was no clarity on, on that, mm. on our aspect. So when you when you got out of that, what was it just a, a sale? Did you sell them to somebody else, or how did you how did you exit? I, I, I sold them. I, um, you can tell I'm a little opinionated. You've met me. I'm the, <laughs> the thing was, I, I don't believe in discounting. And the thing was, yes, I helped build Smoothie King, but the new owner, the you know the the team that he brought aboard wasn't aligned and he's from South Korea. So I, I guess he's like Kim Jong-un that you can't have a voice. My ex-wife and I, we still, we still own the five stores. She owned three, I own two. And we didn't believe in heavily these discounts. They had the $5 Friday. They have, you know, you breathe under, <laughs> under a glass, you get a discount every day, just devaluing. And I don't care what business you have, never devalue yourself, never devalue your product. You know, step up above it. Be the Starbucks. Be the Harley Davidson. Be the Tiffany. We don't see any commercials from those places. We don't see yeah. any heavy discounts. So, so what? They, I, so you still own them then, huh? No, they disenfranchised us. Really? Yeah, we had to sell. Although I was unhappy, God and the universe gave. You know, I didn't know how to move out of that because the first. That this was my baby because I, 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 I had emotional ties to the business. I kept the two stores, the first two stores. The, these are just investments. It's just a business. It's, it's nothing organic. It's not alive. It's like when people buy stocks and the stock is losing money, they can't sell because they get emotionally invested. Well, I, I, I own Apple. I own Nike. You own a piece of paper that you bought on the secondary. You, mm -hmm. you're not hanging out with Steve Jobs. You're not hanging out with Howard Schultz. You're not with Tim Cook. <laughs> and you know, that that's, that's it. So when they took, when they said, Hey, we're not going to let you guys be franchisees anymore. Can't use the brand. Did you do anything? Did you kind of open up a unbranded smoothie shop or, or did no. you decide, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm completely out. We have a two year um, non-competing, you know, everybody's shocked because yeah, I, my heavy lifting and I know how to do that QSR quick service restaurants. And they're like, so do you plan on doing like the competition in two years? That's not growth. If I would have done that, I would have been begging for my life. I, I, I thank them for the opportunity because, you know, in my book, I talk about them. I plugged them for 20 years. You know, I, I felt in my heart that it was going to be like Sharon Lecter and Robert Kiyosaki with the reason why that, that book blew up was Amway. Amway picked it up. It was self-published and they told everybody to buy it. Now, Entrepreneur Magazine gave them the free plug. Everybody knew about them. And I remember talking to 
the COO and telling the president and telling him everything that I've done for 20 years. And, and his answer was, I don't care. Now, do you want to be aligned with people like that? Oh, no, man. No. That sounds bad. That sounds real bad. So let's talk about your book. We're going to take a break from our show right now to bring you our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Thanks for listening to our sponsors. Now back to the show. Let's talk about the book for a second. What if it, what if it did work? So uh, I'm, I'm going to assume something. And then of course you can correct me, but there's a, there's a very popular book called that'll never work uh, about the founder of Netflix. Mm -hmm. And so is your, is your title kind of a play off of that or is it completely unrelated? Completely unrelated. Most people, they focus on the negativity. They focus on why things won't work. Yeah. If you ask your single friends, could be a male or woman, what are you looking for in a relationship? And then I don't want bipolar. I don't want drama. <laughs> I, I don't want this. I don't want that. They'll give you a laundry list, but they won't tell you what they want. So how can you be aligned? The universe, God, Jesus, nobody's going to give you what you want. If, if you don't know what you want, you need to have clarity. A lot of people, I can't open up a business because I'll be front page. Omar Madrano fails at a business. The Wall Street Journal is going to post it. The Times Square, all Times Square billboards. I'm a failure. They're going to have me in handcuffs because I failed. Everybody always processes worst case scenario instead of just asking themselves better questions. Why can't it work? So what, uh, what was the, where was the genesis of that question for you? What if it did work? When was the first time that question came into your mind? In my twenties, I've always, I've always had that. Were the people doubting me and me wanting to prove them wrong is jet fuel or, you know, why, how, how can I own a business? I've got a degree in journalism. I've got two degrees in journalism with a degree in history. I, I should be a barista. <laughs> <laughs> I should be a professor. I can work at a museum and say, Hey, welcome to the natural history museum. I am Omar Madrano. Today, we're going to learn about dinosaurs. So what if it did work is about what? What's the book it's about, about? It's about overcoming everything. A guy like me, I couldn't even talk to you. Chase, I couldn't even talk to you. I was that much of an introvert. I had, we weren't born with fear. God made us in his image. And I know God made us to thrive, to be successful. He didn't make us to be middle management. He didn't make us to live off crumbs, crumbs of love, crumbs of things will change. Maybe my boss will, will hook me up. I, I, know, I, I know if I'm made in his image, it's not mediocre, but yet we focus on mediocrity. We focus, we're on the sidelines. Oh my gosh, I, one day, one day. You know, so many people live, love Disney World. And I know why, it's because they either live in fantasy land, they think one day things are gonna change, or tomorrow land. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. I'm preparing because that's fear. And the reason why we have fear, God didn't give it to us. It was our friends, society, our parents, people that love us to try to protect us. Don't do this. Don't do that. You'll get hurt. Could you imagine if we 
told everybody at nine months old, don't walk, you're going to fall. You're going to fall and it's going to hurt. This isn't for you. You'll never walk. You'll never learn yeah. how to run. That, people aren't born introverts. I was an introvert because my mom and dad got divorced before I was born. I never, I, to this day, I haven't met the man. And, and it, you know, oh my gosh, the, the fear, I'm not worthy, the fear of rejection, the fear of not being enough. So, what do you think? What do you think fear is? What would, how would you define fear? Fear is something made up that we, we create that little voice, that little voice inside your head that says you're not enough. This isn't for you. Success isn't for you. Finding your soulmate isn't for you. Uh, rich people, wealthy people, successful people, they're born lucky. This isn't you. We stop ourselves. Yeah. The people who weren't born to have a fear of heights or you know, a fear of snakes or a fear of rejection. No is the simplest of words. It's, it's only two letters, one syllable. No, doesn't mean, hey, I hate you, Omar. In fact, it was like, hey, if I ask out a girl now and she says, no, it's her loss. And, <laughs> and then also in sales, you know, we, we live like, we act like we're in Mayberry and there's only six people. If they don't believe in your product, they don't believe in your services, don't discount it. There's a million other people that you can ask. So fear, you use the, use the phrase lie. You were talking about lying. So fear and lies go together and we, we lie to ourselves. We lie about situations. We believe what is false. And a lot of people say that fear stands for false evidence appearing real, mm-hmm. you know, and false evidence is a lie, you know? So when people are lying to us, that can make us fearful or, you know, we, not to mention what the government might've done to us over the last 24 months, lying exactly. creates fear. But we do that to ourselves too, don't we, man? We, we lie to ourselves about what's possible. You're, you're going to laugh. But corona. I, I got it in the, in the Murph, June 2020 at a super spreader event. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, being one of the first ones, I'm like, oh my gosh, because I read all the reports. I'm going to die. This is it. I better write my obituary. I could have been a better father. I wish I only had more time. Day two, I'm like, okay, well, Day three, day f- nothing. I didn't even have a fever. I, I, I've had Corona twice. I had the Omicron. I had it on Christmas. The only difference is, unlike every woke person that wanted to play a victim, posted, oh, a Christmas, Christmas gift, Corona and all that. I saw that so much. Just shut up. Why are you, why are you spreading negativity and toxicity and drama? Suck it up. Nobody knew because I don't post stuff like that. Yeah, well, you, well, I think it was interesting because, you know, we can easily see the lies and how lies lead to fear. And, and when we look outward at things like what's happened with coronavirus and COVID and what's going on with government's control and et cetera over the years, not just recently, but throughout history, human history, they use lies to create fear and manipulation. And I think most people, no matter what political view you have, you can see that that happens externally. But what I think you, what you just mentioned, Omar, is really interesting is that as entrepreneurs, the fear that we have about our ability to succeed really is coming from a place of lies as well. We're lying to ourselves about what's possible. So you, you overcame those fears and you were able to succeed in spite of that. So let me ask you this question in your words, how would you define success? Because if you, I consider yourself, you a successful person. I think you consider yourself a successful person, but how do you define the word success? My definition is threefold. I, I feel successful and blessed because I woke up today. 
I woke up this morning, Jesus Christ, God gave me an opportunity, a gift, another day. I was born today. Tomorrow's my birthday. The following day is my birthday. If God, St. Peter, everybody gives me one more day, I have the choice to either make it an amazing day, a horrible day, or just let the universe dictate my day. And I choose every day to be blessed. God, gave, God made me in his image. The second thing is success is do you have the ability to do whatever it is that you want to do on any given time without having to answer to people? Now, don't not, you know, don't follow your taxes and, you know, Uncle Sam will come after you. I don't care what party, you know, Uncle Sam always wants his cash. So don't do that. But, you know, within reason, do whatever you want to do. And three, my literal definition of success is before I go to bed, I ask myself, am I a better version today than who I was yesterday? And it's just yesterday. If you have more days like that, you're successful. Now, I'm not going to say, well, 20 years ago, a lot of times people live in their story, his story or her story, instead of living in the now and the present. So you're saying that then your words, success is being alive for another day ability to do what you want, when you want, with whom you want, et cetera. And then being a better person of yourself, a better version of yourself rather each and every day. So with that as a definition, do you consider yourself a successful person? Heck yeah. <laughs> I feel blessed. Dude, you're wearing purple. We, we have AC. We, 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 we have internet access, high speed, clearly. If we, we're, we have Sound mind, while some of my decisions might not be sound, I've got perfect health. I've, I've got two amazing daughters, 14 and 16, that are thriving. My mom's still alive. She's, well, she's only 20 years older than me. And my grandparents are, are 96 and 91, and they're still alive. So, what, you know, everything else, you, you create that in, in your head, whether, you know, the wins and the losses just keep one day to, to cry about it or one day to cheer about it. But a lot of times, you know, we, we, we make these, these things into like these mountains or, or we feel like we're like Don Quixote uh, chasing windmills. Okay. So now we, we have established that you consider yourself a successful person. We know what your definition of, of success is. So let me start. I've got, I want to kind of go through this theory and I know you, you've listened to the show enough to, you know, that I, I talk about these five keys of success. And my belief is I truly believe this, that if you want to be successful in life as an entrepreneur, if you will use these keys, you can unlock success. Just like the door to my house can be unlocked by anyone who has the right key to get in. And I think success is unlocked with these keys. And the reason I think that, and the reason I believe that is because I've interviewed so many people like you, Omar, that have, have unlocked their success with these same keys. And that's why I started the show, because I, I started realizing this and I thought, well, I'm going to do a show about it. So I'm going to go through these five keys. I'm going to see if these were keys you used to unlock success. And if you disagree with me, feel free to. If there's anything additional, you can add it. So the first key is that of passion. I think the key of passion, of being able to use passion to unlock success is one of the most important keys. But uh, I don't think passion means what most people think it means. I think a lot of people think that passion means I just got to be excited about it. I got to love it. I got to really enjoy it. Now, if you love it, excited about it, and you enjoy it, I think that helps. But the passion that I'm talking about that actually unlocks the door of success 
means willing to endure or willing to suffer. If you look at the word passion and go back to where it came from, it actually means willing to endure, just like the passion of the Christ was willing to endure. It wasn't that he was excited about it. All my life, I wondered why we called it the passion of the Christ. But when I looked into the word, I was like, oh, that's why we call it that. So in your story of success, Omar, where do you see passion, the willingness to endure for what you're trying to build uh, as a key to your success? Passion has to be there. You not not the pat. You see, people confuse passion with that uh, that cute little speech that Steve Jobs said at that commencement, or they listen to Gary V. Follow your passion. That type of passion. I'd own an LSU apparel store here in Miami, which wouldn't sell. Or I love my sn snowboarding's my passion. You think that would do well here in Florida, South Florida? Uh, <laughs> a, a Burton selling Burton snowboards and apparel? No. Passion is you have to at least, one, be able to endure it because you like the product, you like the services, you have faith in the service. Because there's going to be days that you're like, oh my gosh, what the hell am I doing? Why am I doing this? And the passion to endure is what's going to keep you going because there's going to be dark days. Resolve is in the word resolutions, what people don't understand. You have to resolve. You have to grind. You have to go through hell before you get to heaven. So with that in mind, so we got passion as the first key. So second key, I believe that people use to unlock success is being at the right place at the right time. And I think that one of the things you said in your story was that you wanted to escape Miami. And you said you were running away from that because you grew up there and you wanted to get away from Miami, your introversion, and that's why you ended up going to LSU. So would, is LSU one of those right places at the right time for you? Or is there some another place in time that you can point to and say, had I not been there, dude, I wouldn't be successful? Plenty of times in my life, we, we all feel that it's random. There's no such thing as random. God placed us in those. Never once growing up, did I feel like I needed to go to Baton Rouge? In fact, two places were my, well, my dream school, Syracuse. They rejected me so fast. I got a form letter. I, I kept it for years for motivation. Their loss. UNLV, where I wrote the book. I've been to Las Vegas hundreds of times. I, I had that first time I went to Vegas, I was 21. But even growing up, seeing the Evil Knievel specials, all that, always wanted to go to UNLV. And I was 99.9% .9 certain I was going to go to UNLV. And my mom had a heart attack because how could her 18-year-old son go to Sin City? And I, I, I paid I, my non-deposit. The first time I ever left money in Vegas was a $250 non-refundable housing and she's like, and I got accepted by LSU just because, and here's how there's no such thing as random. I flunked French in high school and I had to go to a neighboring high school, summer school to take the course. And there was this beautiful woman and she spoke to me about LSU, how amazing it was. And then I went to Walden Books. Well, that shows you my age. I guess yeah, I remember that guy. Yeah. <laughs> and... And there was a book on party schools and I just flipped it. And randomly, one of the first chapters was LSU, which was ranked number one in party schools. But I'm like, what's the odds? And I'm like, okay, mom. And we toured the campus and 
I, I knew it was the right place in the right time. So it's all about timing. So LSU is one of those places and times. What about, what about where and how you discovered Smoothie King? Because that's a huge key to your success or a pathway through. Oh, yeah. No, I, 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 I love the product. I love the company. I just don't love the people that are in there now. Uh, Smoothie King is that connection with Louisiana. Louisiana is my favorite state besides the state of Nevada with Las Vegas. Uh, it's founded, Smoothie King's founded in Louisiana. So there was one on every corner, even in Baton Rouge, all over the place in New Orleans. And it was always one day, my dream, one day to own a Smoothie King. And not only that, but I'd be giving jobs back to Louisiana. Yeah. So, so you're, yeah. So you going from Miami to Louisiana, LSU, Baton Rouge. So that was a place. And then also the fact that you discovered Smoothie King while you were there, which led you into 20 years of franchise ownership, five stores, very successful. So there's a good place at time. So now you got passion as a key, being the right place at the right time as a key. And the third key is people. And uh, you mentioned Mr. Morris. Mr. Morris, I think that's what I wrote down. You're, Mr. You're, Morris. Yeah, Mr. Morris. I'm going to guess that had Mr. Morris not been in your life, we probably wouldn't be doing this show today. You used that as motivation to become the man you are today. Is that right? Uh, clearly, I, I would have never had a master's degree, much less. I, I, wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't even studious or anything. It was just to prove him wrong. There, there's been so many. This, this book, What If It Did Work, was, was written in someone's place that said they were my biggest fan and they became my biggest naysayer and said, who am I to write a book? Who am I to be on stages? Who am I to speak to people? And I use her as my motivation. So to me, the doubt, the doubters, the naysayers get on the back of the bus, man, because you're, you're, you're providing fuel for this journey. What's interesting about your story, man, is that, and I, I don't get too often times when I interview somebody on the show, where, I, where the person was a negative influence. A lot of times we talk about who was the right person to help you become successful. And they'll talk about, well, my, my business partner helped me do this or my wife or my husband or my, my friend or my mom or my dad. And those are all positive, positive people that push you in a positive direction. But, but I've, you know, I, I really admire the honesty and transparency of you saying, hey, I'll take the negative people all day long. They're the right people for me because they help me get where I want to go. And I know that I've got in my life and my story of success, I've got a lot of positive people. I can think about how supportive my parents have been uh, through through my journey and at times have helped me out when I needed help with this or that as an entrepreneur. And then my wife, of course, amazingly, but also have I can look at my past and see you know, where I had a, a business partner that we ended ways on not positive terms. And it was regrettable. I hated it. It was one of the worst years of my life, but I also look at that experience and think, man, that propelled me to become even more successful. And had I not gone through it, uh, it wouldn't be who I am today. So I think I appreciate you being honest about the fact that there are negative influences to help you become positive. There's both. There's both. Well. I, that, that, I, I'm not a self-made person. There's been plenty of people that have helped me, but there's plenty of people that I, I need to prove or I have proved wrong and that that's why if, if somebody ever takes a shot at me because I'm, I'm public i don't delete that i'm like thank you <laughs> all right well let's go to the fourth key the fourth key is that of preparation and i what i find when i study people who have been very successful like you is i feel i, I find that somewhere somehow 
in their past, whether it was through on purpose education and training or through something completely unrelated, but prepared them for it, there's some sort of preparation. And here's what I think based on your story that I believe your preparation happened. I think the fact that you were an, an introvert as a kid and you wanted to leave and you escape that and you go into LSU, you pledge and those guys forcing you to go ask those girls out prepared you to be the successful talker that you are today because back then you weren't I, that's the way i see it but what how, how do you think you got prepared to become successful everything there's no such thing as randomness i i became a financial advisor and then i had to go do presentations uh, like retirement accounts for small businesses or insurance or do the for the seminar junkies usually old people you offer them a free meal and they'll show up <laughs> so it, it got me to where I, I can talk to crowds uh, running for election for vice president, for president of my fraternity, a guy that couldn't talk all of a sudden talking, uh, talking uh, fraternity council, just just talking. Everything has prepared me. The, all those no's from all those girls became yeses later on in my life. It, it, it every it, preparation everything life to me the, there's no randomness that's why i feel blessed god has always given me every opportunity there's no such thing as a bad experience a bad experience is if you've never learned anything from it and you keep on repeating the same mistake over and over so i every time that i've fallen i i would have to say christ has helped me pick me back up i love it I love that. I know that uh, this week for me, I'm record, recording this in February of 2022. I've had I've had a pretty bad week, you know, just personally. I know this show's not about me, but I want to illustrate a point here is that I had a pretty bad week, and and for the last couple of days, I wouldn't say I've been feeling sorry for myself, but I've been like frustrated, down in the dumps, a little bit like crap. I don't normally feel like that, so when it happens, it's pretty noticeable, and people around me are like, "What's wrong with you?" But I, you just helped me. Omar, because when you were saying that, it's like everything, every failure, every every time you fall down, it just teaches you something for that next step. And that prepares you for success later. So the bad things that happened to me this week, which were some really crazy stuff that I would have never seen in a million years, how is preparing me for what I'm going to do in the future. So thank you for that reminder. And I hope that helps the listeners as well. Well, but let also, me uh, go ahead. God gives, gives us bad days bad weeks and all that so we can appreciate the amazing weeks and the amazing moments in our life that's right well i've got some appreciation to look forward to <laughs> you will i promise so, so i got uh I, I, the fifth key is that of plan and 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 by plan i think that entrepreneurs are unlock success by having a good plan and i don't mean business plan because a lot most entrepreneurs in fact don't have uh, business plans that are written. But what I mean by plan is what's your plan to get the financial resources so that you can actually build the business and become successful. And you told in your story that you, you guys couldn't borrow money because SBA wouldn't lend it to you because Smoothie King was so new and it was a fat, you know, in their opinion, a fad, but you said that you maxed credit cards, you sold a house. Was that how you, uh, am I reading that right? Did you see that that's the way you were able to come become successful? Cause your plan was, I'm going to make this work through my own finances if I have to. You know, every story like that, there's resolve. Howard Schultz had to ask like 30, 50 banks in Seattle to finally get the loan to buy out those partners that didn't believe in the coffee 
shop concept that only wanted to sell beans. Walt Disney had to file for bankruptcy a couple times. Bob Hope wouldn't even give him a loan because he thought it was stupid, a theme park in the middle of nowhere in Southern Cal. It's just, there's, there's two things. We were always in the crossroad and it maybe the matrix is a real, is a nonfiction. Do you take the, the red pill that with the most resistance, the eye opener reality, or you just go take the blue pill and be with the masses. You know, everybody could have been like, Hey, this isn't it for me. But if you, if you're, if you know, in your heart, in your soul, that this is the purpose, this, you need this, like your next breath of air, you're going to continue and you're going to do whatever it takes. So when listeners to this show, Omar, kind of span the span the gamut of entrepreneurship. You got the guys on the guys and girls on the first the front end of entrepreneurship. They're just getting started. They're coming up with their idea, their plan, what they're going to launch. And then you got the people on the other end that are, you know, billionaires. They're very successful. They're doing some amazing things in the world. And then, of course, everybody in between. I want you to think for a minute and give some advice as we close the show out today. I want you to give some advice to the front end of that spectrum. As a successful entrepreneur yourself, who's built several franchises, built now you're, you're an author and a public speaker, and you're changing people's lives as an entrepreneur, what would you say to them? What's your advice on those, that front end of the spectrum? Give them some good stuff. You know, you spent five or six years of your life believing in Santa Claus, believing in the Tooth Fairy, the Easter Bunny. Just believe in yourself. Most people can't even spend five minutes doing that. And... You know, we, we as a society, we want things now, 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 especially watching social media, this, this microwave to success. I was mowing lawns three weeks ago, and, and now I, I'm living in Malibu just by this program. It's not like that. You need, you need to decide, you need to commit, and you need to take action. And you need to take action consistently, and especially in the days that you're not, you don't want it. You don't want to bring it. And believe, believe in yourself, trust yourself. God made you to thrive, to, to be outstanding, to have success, open your imagination, open up your thoughts, answer questions, find the answers. The, every answer to every question is out there. I love that, man. How, how can people get in touch with you? I know people are going to want to reach out and connect. You've got your book. What if it did work? Where can they find that? And how can they get in touch with you? Uh, OmarMadrano.com. Or if you want to bypass and go to Amazon, what if it did work? It's self-published, only 100 pages, because I'm not about the filler, baby. <laughs> I, <laughs> that I'm, I'm open on, on Facebook, but you, you can still friend me, Omar Medrano. Uh, Instagram, they hijacked that. So I'm Omar Medrano 73 because that's the year I was born. Uh, videos. And also uh, you could join my group on Facebook. What if it did work? It's an open forum. There's videos, there's uh, messages, there's blogs, other people post as well. And it's just a community of like-minded people that want to thrive and want to succeed in every aspect of their life. 
All right, go look up Omar Madrano, connect with him, go get the book, What If It Did Work, get you a little bit of motivation. One of the things that we all need is we got to do personal development. We can get indirect coaching from people like a, like Omar by reading his book, watching. He's got a podcast too called What If It Did Work. You can listen to that. Go connect with this guy. Omar, I'm going to give you the last word. Anything you want to say as we sign out today? The only thing I want to say is I'm grateful and thankful for being here, being on your podcast. Believe in yourself. I, I, I believe in, in everybody that's listening because there's two things. Every action you take either pushes you towards a goal or away from the goal. And when you listen to shows like your show, my show, and you take notes and you wake up every day with purpose and every day you want to be that better person, the sky's the limit. I love it. Thank you, Omar, for being on the show, man. It's great to connect with you and I wish you the best of luck as you continue to build that massive success of yours. Thanks, brother. Well, there you have it. Another very successful entrepreneur in Omar Madrano. What a, what a fun personality. Uh, he and I met each other, uh, like I said, at, 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 through a coaching program that we were both involved in, and we just stayed connected. I mean, we, we're not buddies and hanging out all the time, but we stayed connected because we like like each other's perspective on the world and what we're doing. And so he had me on his podcast and now he's been on mine. So I hope that you've learned a little bit about how to unlock your own success. And I love his definition of success at three part. He said, success is about being alive every single day and being grateful for that. It's about uh, the ability to do what you want, when you want, where you want and all that. And then third, it's being a better version of yourself each day. So think about what that how that applies to your life as an entrepreneur. Are you the successful entrepreneur that you want to be? Speaking of the successful entrepreneur, I want to invite you to join my membership group called The Successful Entrepreneur. It's for today's and tomorrow's successful entrepreneurs where I give you weekly live training and coaching via Zoom every single week. You can get access to two open live group coaching calls where you're going to ask any question you want. It's just a live group coaching call with me. I do one success lecture a month where I you can log in and you, I'll talk on any topic uh, that's related to entrepreneurship, leadership, entre uh, financial literacy or sales. And then I do twice a month to do an entrepreneur master series. And this one's the cool, coolest part of it all is because I do this and I bring in an outside expert and we talk about something very specific about entrepreneurship. You know, how to use a website more effectively, how to do personal branding, how to do your taxes better, how to save money on a business coach. These are all tactical things that I talk about with Entrepreneur Master Series twice a month for all members of the successful entrepreneur. It's only $55 a month. Go to the realjasonduncan.com slash TSE and sign up today. Become a member of the group. Dollar for dollar, it's the best business coaching you'll ever ever get. And it'll absolutely give you the opportunity to change your life. Well, tune in again next week when I talk with yet another amazingly successful entrepreneur about his or her journey to success. Until then, I am the real Jason Duncan and Jesus is King. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Root of All Success with the real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, we invite you to visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Take charge of your business. Grow it from great to incredible. Join us again next time here on The Root of All Success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>